0: Like many of you, I'm curious about many topics, and what better way to learn than to speak directly with the people who have the answers or insights that you're looking for. My name is Costa. welcome to Founder Reviews, that's what this channel is all about. You're going to hear me pick the brains of thought leaders, CEOs, politicians, and business experts about subjects that I'm personally interested in or working on at any given time from economics, business, real estate investing, Bitcoin, politics, and much, much more. Thank you for tuning in. Let's get started. Clara, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Really appreciate your time here.
1: Great. So happy to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: Awesome. So, uh, there's quite a few. I wanna, quite a few things I want to discuss with you. Uh, if you don't mind, just kicking things off. Tell us quickly about yourself and what you do.
1: Yep, so I am Clara. I am the Director of Research at Kaiko. Kaiko is a cryptocurrency market data provider. We were founded in 2014. Today we collect data from more than 100 both centralized and decentralized cryptocurrency exchanges. This is everything from Binance to Coinbase to Uniswap to Curve. So what I do all day essentially is I analyze markets. Um, And so happy to be here today to talk about what's going on.
0: Amazing. Okay. So you analyze data from over a hundred exchanges. Who's uh, Keiko's clients?
1: So we mostly, we're B2B and our main clients are funds, traders, and anyone who needs uh, strong APIs. For example, we power the front end of Masari. So any price display site um, or any more quantitative product.
0: Okay. Okay. Are are most of your, your funds based in the U.S. or is it sort of global at this point?
1: So we're a global company, but I would say that the, mo- the majority of our clients are based in the US and I would say the predominant use case is still strategy backtesting, but we're getting a-, a wider range of use cases, primarily in the DeFi sector. We just launched our DEX liquidity pack. So that's a big product uh, that we're-, we're getting out to more and more people.
0: Awesome. And how long has the company been around?
1: We were founded in 2014, 2014. so a while we're old.
0: <laughs> well, wow, not really. That's, that's still pretty young, but okay. Awesome. And does th- Keiko, am I saying it right? Keiko, right? Keiko. Keiko. Sorry, I'm mixing that up. So Keiko, does Keiko own any crypto uh, like company asset or are you able to disclose that? Or?
1: No, we don't. We don't own crypto as an asset.
0: Okay. Okay. And just for uh, curiosity, are you into invested in crypto yourself or?
1: Yeah, I mean, of course, I work at a crypto company. I buy a little bit every month. I'm proud to say I've never sold. Uh, So whether that's good or a good thing or a bad thing, uh, I'll let you guys guess. But um, I I still I still buy every month, no matter whatever bear market we're in right right now.
0: I'm in the same boat. I've never sold as well. So very good. Uh, so I, on my podcast recently, I've been speaking to a lot of like very pro Bitcoiners or like Bitcoin maximalists, as they call themselves, who who, who truly believe that that Bitcoin will be the world's reserve currency in the future. And, and the reasoning is logical, uh, whether that happens or not remains to be seen, of course. So I, I was excited to speak with you. I think it's safe to say that your company provides very objective data. Unbiased data, you know, just providing insights on, on on the data that you're seeing in the markets um, and that, that you're interpreting. Uh, is that is that all correct?
1: To say? Yeah, our whole like I would say our core mission is to provide transparent and unbiased market information. So yeah, you okay. got that right.
0: Perfect. So so I want to my objective here. Is I want to speak to the the individuals listening, the average person who are not really looking at markets in a highly technical way, but might be invested in Bitcoin like myself or someone who sees Bitcoin as this potential valuable asset for whatever particular reason. So um, with that being said, I want to start off with like what exactly has caused this bloodbath in crypto in the last couple of months again speaking to the the person who's not very highly technical but observing from the sidelines maybe invested thinking of investing more so from that lens
1: yeah so I think the core the core trigger for this latest market collapse came at the macro level um, for the past about six months, uh, there've been a, there's been a lot of uncertainty. This has been reflected in the prices that you see in the stock market. There's been record high inflation almost across the world in almost every economy. Um, there is an oil crisis. There's energy crisis. There's war, and this at the macro level has caused a lot of uncertainty among investors. And I think the idea that Bitcoin is this. Uh, this inflation hedge or this risk-off asset. It's been questioned a lot over the past few months, because in reality, what we've seen is Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies have had very tight correlations to more traditional financial assets, um, such as the S&P 500 equity index. Um, So I think what first triggered the initial bear market um, actually came at a higher level. It came with announcements from the Fed and a lot of these more bearish macro indicators um, that have since overflowed to evolved into some more crypto specific, such as the collapse of Terra, the collapse of Celsius. And so it started macro, but now it's a little more crypto specific. Thankfully, markets have recovered slightly over the past week, but we're still in a pretty low period.
0: Yeah, for sure. And uh, I, I wanted to you sort of touched on it but that, that's something else i wanted to ask you you know for for a lot of people the, the value of bitcoin like you said was uh, that it's sort of positioned as this hedge against inflation and debasement of, of fiat currencies uh, but what we've seen it's pretty much been correlated with equities which um, has been surprising to me and, and probably to, to many others um uh, so c- can you dive into that a bit more i'm curious like what's what's the explanation for that correlation and why hasn't it performed in the way that uh, Bitcoin investors expected?
1: So for most of Bitcoin's entire history, it has had a very like almost neutral correlation to equities. It was never strongly positive or never strongly negative. Um, and it would fluctuate up and down um, and over time, which doesn't really mean anything. But what we started seeing Um, in about November was Bitcoin's correlation with equity indices started to increase sharply. And it actually reached all-time highs back in May. This is as global financial markets were starting to sell off at a very rapid pace. Um, So what has changed over the past few months really is how investors are treating cryptocurrencies as an asset. We saw record inflows into crypto last year in 2021. Um, Institutions came, they bought a lot of crypto. And then once markets started working in the opposite direction, often the first asset you sell is the riskier asset so they started selling their tech stocks which have been performing very poorly they started selling their cryptocurrencies so at this point it's all how investors treat the asset and we can see very clearly that investors are treating crypto as a risk off asset. Um, sorry, as a risk on asset, meaning they invest in riskier environments. Um, and then when the environments become volatile and less certain, then they'll divest. So uh, I think that's the biggest shift that we've seen over time is that the same investor who's buying tech stocks is now also buying cryptocurrencies.
0: Okay. And is it also safe to say that the, the, the increase now in correlation with equities is the fact that more funds and institutions are, are trading Bitcoin as well?
1: Yeah, I'm sure that's that's definitely that they're linked. Again, it's the same type of trader. Now it used to be a very retail type of trader investing in crypto, more isolated from global financial markets. But now we see a big overlap between these types.
0: Right. Okay, makes sense. Um, So another question: How correlated uh, has been the boom in crypto to quantitative easing and access to easy money over the last, call it, 14 years? And on the flip side, the, the, this crash in crypto, is, is there any correlation to the quantitative tightening that we're seeing in the rising of, of Fed rates? Is there a relationship with those things?
1: I mean, when you're looking at the actual data, there is a direct correlation right as the Fed started uh, qe then you started seeing uh, people just had a lot of money especially when you got those checks every few months um a few thousand dollars here or there and not much to spend it on because we were all locked down um your average retail investor would poured into risky assets. And that's what triggered the initial crypto bull run, which saw Bitcoin hit almost $65,000. And then when you see the taps turned off, the Fed has since stopped this uh, expansionary monetary policy, we see a corresponding contraction in all cryptocurrency prices. And the same thing with equities. So yes, I think there's a direct correlation between the two. Mm
0: -hmm. Uh, Do you have data on what Percent of uh, Bitcoin investors are people who haven't sold in the last, I don't know, 12 to 24 months versus the people who have bought and sold in the same time period? Do you have any data like that?
1: Uh, so I don't, so Keiko, we mostly provide market data. We collect on-chain data from DEXs, but this is a more on-chain metric. I know there's some other great providers that do have this information like CoinMetrics and Glassnodes. Glassnode, they really look at addresses and the price at which Bitcoin was bought, uh, grouped by the number of addresses. I don't have the exact data though.
0: Okay, okay. Yeah, I was curious to to see how many, how many folks are like ourselves who, who bought and have never sold. I was curious to...
1: i do have one bit of data though related to what i was just discussing so last week we published a chart we were looking at volatility for bitcoin after the fed releases the minutes from their meetings Mm. so what essentially we did was we took average hourly bitcoin volatility over the past two years and then compared it to the average of three hours following the release of fed minutes Mm. and we found that Bitcoin, on average, is a lot more volatile right after Fed announcements. Um, And this trend first emerged in the summer of 2021, so last summer. And this is right when we saw Bitcoin start to correlate very strongly with equities um, and wider macro movements. So I thought that was that was the best evidence yet that Bitcoin has almost become a macro asset at this point, um, very subject to the tiniest announcement.
0: That's interesting. Wow. Um, I, I'm curious, like just living in the data all day, are you and I know you mentioned uh, in your intro, you're, you're just buying uh, crypto regularly, uh, I'm assuming dollar cost averaging, perhaps, but mm-hmm. are you using any of this data to as triggers to like get in at, at low spots or anything like that?
1: So we don't do technical analysis. Um, We're more like global crypto uh, macro analysis, but we also look at market microstructures. We're not focusing too much on the actual patterns in pricing over time. Um, So I'm not using these as indicators, really. Rather, I can give more long-term indicators. uh, For example, if volumes are rising, um, if you're seeing an increase in activity on certain networks, then that's a more macro indicator. Yeah,
0: okay. Fair enough. Curious to hear from you as well. So, um, you know, I've heard some interesting and obvious really commentary, you know, as we know, for a lot of people, Bitcoin is pegged as this, you know, anti-fiat currency solution to, you know, the debasement of currency and inflation. But uh, but at the same time, it's, its value is pegged by the US dollar and, and these other fiat currencies, which is what it's kind of supposed to go up against. So isn't that kind of contradictory any any thoughts or insights on that
1: uh yeah i think once bitcoin i think once tether actually became the dominant uh, quote asset for a while bitcoin was actually the dominant quote asset in cryptocurrency markets you saw most altcoins trade against bitcoin and so you actually saw pricing in bitcoin for a lot of um the longer tail of assets. And the reason was that most exchanges at this point were not allowed to list U.S. dollar denominated pairs simply for regulatory reasons. We actually still have that. Most exchanges can't do that. Um, So Bitcoin really played a more dominant role when it came to actually pricing assets. So it was a sort of a micro economy based on Bitcoin. That all changed with the invention of Tether. This is a dollar-backed stablecoin. Um, and so suddenly it became way easier for unregulated exchanges to list dollar equivalents. And that's when you saw a mass migration in trading volume towards USDT-denominated cryptocurrency pairs rather than Bitcoin. And then people started thinking of crypto in terms of dollars, like everything is priced in terms of dollars today. Um, And it's it's actually quite rare that you would actually see something priced in Bitcoin. So I think market structure has changed a lot thanks to um, stable coins, but also it's not necessarily great to be so linked to the US dollar, which today crypto markets very much are.
0: Yeah. Do do you see that ever change? Like for Bitcoin specifically, like, you know, like uh, Michael Saylor, I remember a tweet not too long ago, you know, one Bitcoin equals one Bitcoin. Like it's not going to have any connection to the U.S. dollar. Do you see that ever happening?
1: Um, I say stable coins are only becoming more and more, um, it's important to cryptocurrency market structure like we're not really seeing a reversal in this trend if that were if if maybe we would see a disperse i I would say algorithmic stable coins could help but at the end of the day those are also tend to be tied to the dollar so i actually don't really see that happening in the near future
0: interesting Uh, a lot of other like bitcoiners who've got in really early and like Pretty much all their assets are in Bitcoin. They they look at these altcoins as uh, shitcoins. Excuse my language, mm-hmm. and like they don't see any longevity in them. And that seems to be like the common consensus with a lot of like you know Bitcoiners that I speak to. Do you do you think there's longevity in a lot of these altcoins, like at, with actual financial utility and, and usefulness to to the markets? Like, what's your take on that?
1: Well, I think it depends on two things. First is governance. So I would say the majority of these altcoins, their like their core purpose is in governance for whichever project or protocol they're issued for, um, and decentralized governance is still a work in progress. Um, it's getting I. Probably easier um, and more efficient just as a way to organize humans to make decisions. Um, but also, there's a lot of complexities involved, and it's very easy to skew governance uh, towards the largest token holders. So, first, these altcoins will succeed as much as decentralized governance proves its ability to effectively influence real decisions for a company. Um, and then the second, of course, is whether these protocols or projects are actually used because most of these tokens, they're used either in governance or as rewards for using a project or as like an in-game currency. If it's a a decentralized gaming project, Um, then it all depends on the actual users and ultimately on whether the project is actually useful and has a real world use case. I think especially what we're seeing with Axie Infinity is that the in-game economy uh, didn't it didn't live up to its expectations. So you saw an initial surge in the AXS token and also SLP. That's like the other in-game currency that they use. And then once markets started crashing, they had a huge reduction in the number of users because at the end of the day, the game wasn't enough to keep the people there.
0: Yeah, th- that's what I was going to ask NASA like, You know, with uh, the correlation between uh, QT, rising rates, and uh, a lot of these bubbles bursting with these, with these altcoins, have, have you noticed any increase in just collapses of altcoins during this QT period?
1: Well, what's interesting is that it seems that the majority of the collapse has actually been tied to centralized lenders and, of course, 3AC. Um, It hasn't really affected a lot of these more crypto native projects, and it points to a flaw in centralized cryptocurrency companies. It's almost an oxymoron, but most of market activity still happens on centralized platforms, on centralized exchanges like Coinbase and Binance, on centralized lending platforms like Circle, uh, sorry, not Circle, uh, Celsius. Um, And so when we see the collapse of these centralized lenders, it's rippling throughout a bunch of industry actors, but it hasn't yet caused bankruptcies for more crypto native projects. A bear market, anything can happen in a bear market, and it, it, it tends to be that when prices of these tokens fall, that it affects a lot of the actual companies that issue these tokens. So we could see that in the future. But for now, it's focused on these centralized lenders.
0: Got it. Another question, uh, recent news with Coinbase, uh, you know, facing this uh, SEC investigation, uh, what's going on with that?
1: Yeah. So Coinbase has had a ha- hard few months, I think. Um, I would say it's bound to happen at some point, especially on these exchanges that for the most part have been relatively unregulated. Um, it's interesting that I guess it's happening right now. It seems that everything's happening right now. Like It seems that the US government has finally uh, stopped waiting around and is really now going to start actively cracking down on misbehavior in cryptocurrency markets. Um, and at the end of the day, it's a good thing. You don't want insider trading on any of these exchanges. So as they should, they should target and prosecute people who do this. Um, it's exactly the same as in traditional finance. Yeah.
0: So so are, are cryptocurrencies now considered in the U.S. Uh, as securities or is, is this what this probe is all about as well?
1: Well, they only named nine in the initial, but I I see that I guess this was yesterday they announced that they're just investigating Coinbase as a whole for listing unregistered securities. Um, so this, of course, would have wide-ranging effects across the entire industry. The results of this probe, so we will see what they do. I think overall, they've shown they're, uh, like the regulators have shown that they're open to listening. They there are definitely a lot of pro-crypto legislators and regulators out there, um, it's just going to be very difficult to draw a line between unregistered versus registered security, especially in crypto. And we see that already with all the debates happening over XRP and Ripple um, and how that has remained, has just dragged on for years at this point.
0: Yeah. So do you see a time where like Bitcoin in the eyes of the SEC and the US government is considered uh, a security?
1: No, I think they've actually stated Bitcoin will never be part of this classification. Yep. Um, And and same with Ethereum, like they've both proven to be very decentralized. Um, And I mean, the fact that you don't know who created Bitcoin. So I don't think that will happen with the two biggest cryptocurrencies. It's more the ones related to projects where it does become very blurry, especially if the founding team of these projects does hold a lot and sort of gives allocations of these tokens to people that help them. I mean, that's sort of essentially what like a startup does giving stock options. It's it's a very similar thing.
0: Yeah, for sure. Do you have any insights on uh, from a taxation point of view, like what what the US is looking at? Because I feel a lot of um, countries are, are, are will follow suit to do whatever the US does from a tax regulation point mm-hmm. of view with cryptos. Any any insights on that or where that's heading?
1: I saw actually today that there, uh, that some legislators are trying to pass a law saying that um, anything under $50 of profit won't be taxed just because it becomes too much of a burden for both the trader and the agencies that are supposed to monitor this. Um, but I think in Europe, the most activity is happening around just cryptocurrency regulation, regulation. Um, and the U.S. is still a lot behind, especially when it comes to taxation. But because Coinbase is regulated, actually, or they, they in the IRS have a pretty close relationship. Um, so they definitely are working together now a lot more than these more global exchanges like Binance are with tax regulators.
0: Yeah. Uh, so I think in, in Europe, there's it's pretty much illegal to um move your bitcoin into a cold wallet that's not an exchange is that accurate
1: uh that that's related to the travel rule right i,
0: I think so i believe
1: yeah I don't uh yeah and i think it, it's all against and it's all about anti-money money laundering europe is very strict about especially rules about moving large amounts of money um i'm not too uh i don't know too much about like uh, the minutia of the latest uh crypto regulatory framework that was just passed, I do know that it does uh, reference the travel rule.
0: Okay. Um, Another curious question I have here. So do you see any uh, moves or signals of any institutional investors or funds or large corporations uh, positioning themselves and their asset allocations uh, in Bitcoin for the purpose of not only as an investment, but as a purpose of Uh, potential hedge against the actual debasement of uh, fiat currency or the collapse of the USD. Are you you actually seeing companies like with that mindset and the reasoning why they're buying Bitcoin?
1: Well, we did see that in 2021. We saw a lot of companies added uh, Bitcoin to their balance sheets. Uh, Tesla, most notably, of course, MicroStrategy, a lot of more bigger cryptocurrency companies started adding Bitcoin to their balance sheet. We've definitely seen a divestment, though, um, from Bitcoin, from companies Especially Tesla. Just last week, it was reported that they sold hundreds of millions worth of Bitcoin. Um, this didn't have to do with Bitcoin as a like just as a safe haven asset, rather to real financial, uh, real balance sheet issues that their investors had issues with, which makes sense from a public company perspective. Um, for now, I don't think companies in a bear market are going to consider Bitcoin too positively as a hedge um, against. Dollar debasement, but we'll see what happens should that trend reverse. Yeah.
0: Um, do you are, are you seeing any companies uh, increasing their investment in Bitcoin other than the 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 like the micro strategies? And...
1: Um, not I would say not now. It's been a very volatile time in markets. Uh, we've seen Bitcoin fall from 65,000 to just 22,000 as of today. Um, so there, I think people are rightfully taking a wait-and-see approach. Yeah,
0: yeah, I agree. Um, do, do you have any insights on the, on the retail side at all, or you're just focused on more uh, the, the B2B?
1: So we look at all data. So this is every trade executed on all exchanges in our coverage. And so also key things to note is that it's impossible to differentiate between retail versus institutional when you're actually looking at the data. This is because trade data is anonymous. Um, So we actually don't know who's buying what. We can just make guesses based on patterns in trade volume, patterns in average trade size. But I think using on-chain data, that's where you can get the best insights. For example, you can analyze wallet addresses and figure out if you've associated one wallet with a big entity, such as like a big crypto fund or something, then you can actually see who's buying what. But for institutions, it's still very hard because a lot of this is anonymized. They almost always go through a broker. Um, For example, I know that Coinbase Execution Services uh, facilitated the original um, micro strategy buy. Um, they probably did Tesla too, although they haven't announced it. Um, so it's almost always done through brokers at this point, which is very private. Yeah.
0: It sounds fun. It sounds like you have a, a fun job for sure. Um, <laughs> it is fun. <laughs> uh, what what has to happen for Bitcoin to reach that you know fifty sixty thousand mark again?
1: Um, So we need first all everything going on with these lenders and the bankruptcies and the insolvencies to get resolved. Um, Part of why I think we've seen a pause in the current sell-off is because a lot of these companies entered bankruptcy proceedings. um, And at this point, essentially things freeze, like you can't really move things around without getting approvals from whoever is managing the case. Uh, So we saw a lot of liquidations up until a few weeks ago. That's when everyone uh, these companies essentially had to had no choice but to enter bankruptcy, um, and so I think that once those cases get resolved. We might see some volatility around that because they still hold a ton of Bitcoin, a ton of Ethereum, a lot of other cryptocurrencies. So it's very likely that they'll have to liquidate everything if they're actually going to dissolve as a company. So this could still put a lot of downward sell pressure on markets. For now, things have stabilized. Also, the Tesla sell order that likely contributed to a lot of this sell pressure too. So for now, we could see further downside after everything's resolved. Uh, it's still it's still uncertain. I think there's been a big hidden sentiment, but yeah,
0: that for sure, goes without saying. A um, couple more questions I have for you. So, do you think Bitcoin uh, has the characteristics to to be a world currency, like which which was a lot, which is what a lot of Bitcoiners believe uh, it will be, like not necessarily maybe the, the global reserve currency, but but a currency that's widely used to transact around the world. Like, do you see it being that or has the characteristics to be that?
1: Well, I think you need to think about first, what is the characteristic of good money? Um, You want stability. You want to know that the value of your Bitcoin will be the same tomorrow, whether you spend it or you don't spend it. Um, You want to know that goods are priced in Bitcoin, because if it's not priced in Bitcoin, then how can you make decisions about what to buy? So right now, Bitcoin doesn't really fulfill any of the core values of what defines a good money. Um, So I think right now, it's not really a currency. It's more thought of as um, either a safe haven or a store of value. I think Bitcoin's store of value um, narrative is its strongest just as a cryptocurrency. Um, However, that doesn't mean cryptocurrency isn't useful as a currency. I think the most promising definitely are stablecoins. Stablecoins could be the killer use case for cryptocurrency markets as a whole. it is it it's a very powerful use of blockchain technology to be able to do these instant transfers with something that is um uh that makes sense to people and that unfortunately for many crypto people like a dollar based stable coin is not the future of what people like would hope crypto would become but it also is a very powerful use case really combining the best aspects of blockchain technology with something that is familiar to the majority of the world so the question, I guess, will Bitcoin be the world's a world currency? I don't think it will, simply because it's at this point, it's a store of value and it's seen as just an asset that you can invest in, um, whereas stable coins as a whole and other cryptocurrencies for more specific utility use cases um, definitely do have a future. Yeah.
0: I agree with with the characteristics. Uh, but. Um... Question on one. So like the stability part, like, can't you make the argument like stability wise, like if you look at uh, the buying power of of the U.S. dollar over the last few decades, I think in the last 50 years, it's buying power diminished by like 90 percent or something like that. Uh, So can't you make the argument that the U.S. dollar is not stable either and it's used as a currency?
1: Uh, Yeah, I mean, The the dollar has been very volatile, but overall, it's like minuscule volatility compared with Bitcoin. Um, And so if it's actually like a ranking of volatility, the US dollar is definitely way below Bitcoin.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Volatility-wise, for sure. But like buying power-wise, it's diminishing daily, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So in terms of that, I guess that's more of a question on inflation. Like you can just buy fewer goods. For the value of one dollar, um, and you can argue that I guess probably for a lot of other currencies around the world yeah. too. Um, so, yeah, yeah, that's a good yeah. point.
0: Um, last question I have for you: uh, love to get your your opinion on it. So, ten years from now, do you still do you see there being more cryptocurrencies? Do you see it being consolidated? Do you see there being just a few major ones that have utilities and use cases, or do you just see this? Uh, network expanding continuously?
1: I still see the network expanding. I think there's new use cases for crypto, um, especially when it comes to utility and also with decentralized governance and especially in the gaming sector. And I think the metaverse sector, if a lot of these more... Uh, more centralized tech companies, if their bet actually comes true that the metaverse will be a major part of our world in 10 to 20 years, um, then crypto will certainly play a large role in that. Not only that, it will likely be more sector specific crypto and more for specific uh, for specific utilities.
0: That's a good point. I I didn't even get into that the metaverse world with you. But do you are are you are you into that space like in terms of not invested, but like just knowledge and uh, about what's going on? Okay. Um,
1: I would say my knowledge isn't as great about like metaverse and NFTs. I'm definitely interested. I I love reading about the space. I find it very fascinating. Um, just because Kaiko doesn't yet collect NFT data, although we soon will. Um, in a few months, we'll we'll have our own NFT data offering. Um, but for now, we we mostly focus on. Yeah, markets.
0: that's that's a space I want to dive into a lot more as well. But r- related to that, do you see a world where there's like multiple metaverses or? You know, is there just going to be one and if so, what's going to be the dominant currency that people are trading on uh, these these metaverse worlds?
1: Well, I think how our world works today is that you're never just going to get one of anything. And that's sort of like crypto. You're never just going to have one cryptocurrency, no matter how much the Bitcoin Maxis want it. That's just not how humans work. Humans all have their own ideas about how things should be organized. And that includes the metaverse. it would be most optimal to just have one super metaverse. Um, and I think that's why it's cool that Web3 and like, more decentralized companies are very much invested in this sector, um, especially of like gaming and social networks. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what actually Facebook or Meta now does in terms of the metaverse. Will it be their own centralized metaverse platform or will they actually work with uh, Web3 actors to make it more accessible?
0: Okay. Yeah, it makes sense. Okay, last question I have for you do you think again in the next 10 years uh, will is there going to be another cryptocurrency that's going to knock Bitcoin off as like the the main uh, the main one?
1: Uh, well, I mean ethereum's always gaining it seems to be on an upward trajectory, especially with the upcoming merge. So ethereum's going to transition to proof of stake and especially when it comes to energy concerns, this is only going to Um, become more important to critics of the cryptocurrency industry is the immense amount of power consumed by mining Bitcoin. And I think it will make Ethereum even more attractive as a cryptocurrency in that it will no longer be a large consumer of energy. Um, Not only that, you can build a lot more on the Ethereum network than you can on Bitcoin today. So if there were to be a number a new number one cryptocurrency it would definitely be ethereum simply because it's the most useful um, network today yeah
0: other than ethereum though uh, just taking my shot do you have any any one or two names to keep an eye on over the next 10 years
1: um well I mean, there's a lot of other networks. Like, I would say in terms of for finance and DeFi, you definitely need a fast network. So that's where Solana comes in. Um, You can do transactions very, very fast on this network. The issue is that it's not very decentralized right now. But if they solve that issue, then it could be a pretty decent contender because it's very hard. Like, It's hard to do complex and fast DeFi financial transactions on the Ethereum network today because there's first, there's like a... There's lags in block times um, and confirmations, and also there's gas prices, but hopefully that should get resolved soon. So you definitely need a network that has better, has a bigger capacity. Yeah. Oh. But again, Ethereum is also planning to solve a lot yeah. of these issues.
0: Fair enough. Awesome. Clara, thank you so much. I, I know we're, uh, we're short for time, but I really do appreciate you speaking with me. Uh, this is very insightful. I think a lot of people are going to get a ton of value from it. Uh, If someone wanted to uh, reach out, learn more about you, where's the best place they can find you?
1: So they can follow me on Twitter at Clara underscore Medali. They can also subscribe to Kaiko's newsletters. So we publish twice a week. We have our data debrief on Monday and our uh, deep dive on Thursday. Just go to Kaiko.com and then you can subscribe from there.
0: Put that all in the uh, descriptions. Uh, Clara, thanks again. Really appreciate it. We should do this again sometime and uh, best of luck.